Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ikuzos Unscripted Podcast. Our guest has collaborated with GZ, Nurko, but she made a name for herself, forging her voice at Marine Academy, then participating in American Idol and climbing to Billboard's bubbling under Hot 100. She's young and witnessing it now. Personally, beautiful singer and songwriter on her way to publish her debut album. Devon Baldwin. Devon, are you ready to go? Genuine, uncensored, and unscripted with us today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Devon. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think they will know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hello. Well, I'm just well, waking up. It's it's early for me. It's actually well, not that early. It's like noon, but that's early for me. I, I'm, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> he's soon going to bed. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we wrap this up and I'm you know sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Devon, let's start with your childhood. You came from the music family. Your mother was a music producer in the 80s. Am I right? And this is a little yeah. bit cliche question, but how did your family influence your career in music? Um, well, definitely I grew up around music, obviously, because of my mom being in the industry. But my dad also played guitar and was also my English teacher in high school. He taught me like poetry. Um, so I kind of had this like perfect balance of music and writing for my parents. And it was like, oh, here is a child that's a songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were meant for it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, uh, parents obviously influences the most, but uh, you also come from the Bay Area. How, how much that influenced you? Because I think obviously after parents, the, the places we grow up, uh, heavily influenced us, I believe. So how did that uh, growing up in the Bay Area affect you in musical sense? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I was fully in high school in the hyphy movement of Oakland. I wouldn't say that necessarily has uh, influenced my music much, but that was like my whole world in high school. And it's actually one of the ways that um, GEZ, aka Gerald and I first became close is because we were in college together in New Orleans and here, here these two little Bay Area kids were being like, yeah, hyphy. <laughs> um, like, uh, but, but also I feel like a lot of um, my lyrics and my own writing has been, I often write about like just driving through curvy roads and oceans and it's very influenced by the actual landscape of the Bay Area um, where I grew up. And yeah, it's, it's funny that I always come back to that, but it just, it stuck with me for some reason. It's just so beautiful. And I, those metaphors of, of the world there just come out when I'm reading. <laughs> you, you should see the sunset here in Montenegro. It, it's one of the most beautiful sunsets in, in the world. Yeah. Trust oh, me. I would love we to we see don't that. have much here, but we have that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> well, your songs are both to cry and to get high, as you said on your uh, website. And there is this paradox when we are sad, we keep listening to the sad music and get even sadder, depressed. Mm -hmm. And does the process apply to the songwriting? Sometimes, yeah. I think, I think writing sad songs 
as well as listening to sad songs can be quite cathartic. Um, I think it's like, I don't, you know, it's one of those things that you need to get it out. That's why it's like to cry and get high. It's like you, it helps to just feel into it and really like let those feelings come in and happen rather than push them away. And I think it's the same with writing. Like oftentimes when I'm really, really anxious and depressed, it's because I haven't been writing out the feelings that I'm feeling and I have to like sit down at the piano and like get some stuff out or even just free write. Like, I feel like that helps. It helps me. I feel like a lot of people would benefit from some free writing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's easier when, uh, when we write the shit down, you know, we, we kind of, I believe, get it out of our system, so to speak, you know? Totally. Yeah. Do you get get the inspiration to write when some right after something happens or sometimes years after? Um, or both? It's definitely both. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, I've had many instances where I actually write a song and just the lyrics just sort of come out and I have no idea what it's about. And then a couple of years later, I'll be performing the song or looking at it and I'm like, oh, that's what that's about. And it's like something that happened after I wrote the song, but suddenly it was my life. It's like, I'm weirdly predicting the future in my songwriting. <laughs> Maybe I should predict better futures. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> I'm like, I just keep getting broken up with. And then I'm like, why does it keep happening? <laughs> well, um, we keep getting good songs then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah at least it's good songs. Yeah. It's, it really is interesting. It, it changes every time. Sometimes it's a struggle to, to write, specifically about something that's happening. I feel like it's too hard when you're like really in the thick of it to have perspective on it. So I think when I'm, when I'm trying to write stuff on purpose about something, it's usually like a couple months later, not like literally as it's happening. Um, but yeah, it's, it changes. Writing is so odd that way. (laughs) But blunt uh, helps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, what I wanted to, you know, listening to you speaking, uh, I wonder, obviously, you write for yourself, but have you ever, you know, written for someone else, you know, like, kind of getting them in the actor mode, you know, to, uh, from your text to for them to sing? Did you have that kind of thing where someone asked your text, you know, that you wrote to sing or something like that? Yeah, I, I haven't written like specifically for someone who's in the room but I've written stuff that I've like decided that it just didn't feel like me and then I've given it to other people so that's but I've definitely I've been I've been in headspaces in recording sessions or writing sessions where I'm like okay I'm just gonna pretend that this isn't for me even if it ends up being for me it's easier to write sometimes if you're just like if you take your own ego out of it because you know sometimes you're like can I really say that but when someone else says it, you're like, oh, that's so cool that they said that. <laughs> you can say whatever you want on this podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I just, uh, yeah, I've definitely had other people in mind. Sometimes I even pretend, I'm like, what would what would Justin Bieber sound like singing this? And what would he say next? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not going to be him writing, but it, it just helps me write, you know? Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, let me ask you this as well about the, the writing, you know? Uh, Eminem wrote, uh, for example, one of his best songs or most famous songs, Lose Yourself uh, in the Bathroom Breaks when he was fil- filming Eight Mile. You know, yeah. 
uh, are songs like for you coming easy? Do you write like get the inspiration and you're like immediately writing and you were finished in a couple of minutes? Is, or is that the process of like painting where you think of a detail and you know you just need to scrabble it or something like that? It's honestly, again, it's both. Some songs take years. Like I'll have a couple lines of a song and I just get stuck on it, but I'll come back to it years later and suddenly I'll, you know, be re-inspired again and I'll finish the song. But other songs like Let's Get Lost literally just came to me when I was watching TV. It just like mm. popped lyrics, melody was just like, hello. So that that went well. I wish that happened more often. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely also those moments where inspiration just comes naturally only happen if you're like keeping in practice with your writing. Like they don't, if you just like, you know, fuck off and forget it. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, uh, if you just, you know, pretend that you're not a writer and start living your life, those moments aren't going to happen. You really have to like free write often and like, you know, work the muscle of songwriting mm -hmm. to to allow those moments of just like pure inspiration to come in. You can't just like expect them to come, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dichotomy of trying to write and waiting for the, the really good thing to just come <laughs> to you. <laughs> Have it ever happened that maybe you write so much, so many papers and some end in the, in the trash can and, and, and then it goes to your head. Oh, this is good. And you go back to, to write that song. Yeah. I wait. What was it? What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you reject some ideas you had and then came back to them and start them and sing them like. Yeah, there's there's definitely been a bunch of songs like that. Like, what was? I feel like I've re released one recently. Um, my song called what's it called? Used to be mm -hmm. is I I wrote the piano part like years and years and years ago and just was sitting on the piano part for literally <laughs> probably five years and then one day I was just like okay I need to write some lyrics to this melody and come yeah. up with the rest of the song so that I can release it and it's weird it's just I think it's I think part of it is that you really like the idea at first and if you don't get the rest of the song out immediately it's hard to hear um like the possibility of the rest of it it's just like you've heard it the way it is in its, you know, short little tiny form so many times that you can't get past that part. And oftentimes I have recently started just bringing in other writers to help me with those little pieces that I can't finish because yeah. I'm just like, I need other inspiration, other opinions, other voices, just like something to get me past that little roadblock of the yeah. idea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely, it's a it's a thing that happens where you have to finish songs later. Yeah, uh, but in, in regards to music, obviously, you're writing the text. Uh, are you are you imagining the music when you're writing? Possibly, you know, because I again I mentioned Gaminem, but uh, I have to. Uh, yeah. He said he, uh, unlike many rappers, you know, they they are giving the beat or the sound and then they write based on it. But he said uh, I write usually and then I you know find the music that's suited for it uh, when you're mm -hmm. writing do you have this kind of thing where you're imagining the music or something like that i usually have some kind of melody in mind but not necessarily chords i i do a weird thing <laughs> that most people most singers do not do which is i write a lot of my 
lyrics and melodies just totally acapella with no chords and I'll record them like that. So I just put one note in Pro Tools to keep me in the right key and a click track to keep me, you know, in some kind of time form. And I just record all the vocals like that. And then I send them off to producers and they kind of interpret the chords the way they hear them, which some people love and they like get very excited by the possibility of it. And I think some producers are like, what? Like, where am I supposed to go with this? (laughs) But it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't always do that. Sometimes I'll have, I'll start with chords, but a lot of times it's just like, just vocals. So, so some, sometimes for us who are not the singers, uh, it feels like when you have the song in your head stuck and you don't know the name and you just know the melody, but you can even uh, say it just in your head. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, let me ask you, uh, to, to, to scribble away from the songwriting a little bit. Uh, what is the worst from your songs, you know, of many of your songs that you are particularly maybe fond of or cover that you did, uh, uh, that you like, you know, think, oh, this is very good or I very much enjoyed doing this? Well, I definitely love singing Hallelujah, which I mm. have a live in-studio cover of. That song, I could just sing every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's so... I think it's one of the best songs ever written. And for whatever reason, it just always feels good in my voice. Like even if I'm not warmed up, I can just sing that song. And it's not the easiest song to sing. It's like all over the place. And there's lots of different like volume levels that I do. And I just, I don't know, that song just transcends like earth. It's just like, I don't know, someone, some some angels came through and wrote that song for Leonard Cohen. Um, but yeah, so I love, 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 love singing that. But I also really like performing um, my cover of Shot For Me by Drake. Mm, yeah. That song is- I so haven't fun. heard it, but I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so fun to, to perform. I don't know, it's just, it's very sassy. Um, yeah. And and then did you ask about my own songs too or just covers? Yeah, 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 yeah. your songs as well. Yeah. Um, I think Ocean, my song Ocean is one of my favorites to perform. That was one of the first times that I wrote a song like fully just melody and lyrics with nothing underneath it. And I sent it to um, my producer at the time, Christoph Anderson, and he just like interpreted it exactly the way that I heard it with like this weird ethereal, just like wash of sound that I don't know, Some somehow it just feels like the right thing (laughs) Um, and it's so fun to perform it's just very it feels very true to who I am as a person and and who I am as an artist and it's again one of those songs that I actually had no idea what it was about when I wrote it I was just like I don't really know what this means but (laughs) in, in retrospect I think it was about like just overcoming struggle especially with my lung collapsing a lot and I think that meaning comes across more now, now that, it, you know, some time has passed. Um, and then Underwater is my other favorite song. I love that song. So none of mine on that list. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> love Rings of Fire. Ring of Fire. Oh, yeah. And yeah. About- I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite is Angel Cry with Jeezy, especially when driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a good, that's a good song. I loved singing that song. Oh my God. That was a really fun one to record even. It was like, 
sometimes, you know, I want it to take longer. I'm like, it's so fun to sing. Can we just record it a couple more times, even though we already got the right take? <laughs> uh, but uh, is Angel Cry uh, better than the Let's Get Lost? Oh, I mean, I personally love Let's Get Lost. Because <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it. Uh, I'm, it's I'm my minority here then. <laughs> yeah. It's iconic. I mean, it is. That was a fun song. And I just that song like made my dreams come true. I didn't, I really didn't write music at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like written a couple songs like in high school, but I was at the end of college and Gerald and I were living together at the time and I, he had already graduated from college and I was about to graduate. And I was just kind of like panicking about what I was going to do afterward because I knew I wanted to be a singer an artist. I'd always known that since I was like four, but I didn't know that I was a writer and I really had like nothing out obviously because I didn't write anything so I was like what am I going to do when I graduate and he was like that's well, a lot of people's mindset you know? yeah exactly exactly it's a very very common theme um but he was like why don't you just write me a song and I was just kind of like okay and then <laughs> I'm like what a concept uh, and then like in the next couple of days I was just sitting there watching tv and it just came out and I was too nervous to to be like hey I wrote the song for you so I just started like humming it when he was next to me on the couch and he was like, what is that? And I was like, Oh, it's just this thing I wrote. And he was like, shut the fuck up. You wrote that. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, Oh my God, we're recording it right now. And we like <laughs> went into our little like studio that we had at our house. And you know, still, you know, that song has a hundred million views, right? So he was very right on that. <laughs> I know it's insane. It's insane. I don't know where that came from. Gods came down and <laughs> gave it to me. <laughs> the muses. You mentioned earlier uh, the collapsed lung you had. Did, did, did it set your career back? And how hard was it to overcome it? I mean, a, a lot of performance in sports and music in all the industries don't recover, but you did. Yeah, definitely. It was so, <laughs> such bad timing, so traumatic, so painful. And it was, it was, um, right after I graduated, right after I wrote Let's Get Lost. I think it was actually like two or three months after Let's Get Lost came out or maybe, no, I think it hadn't come out yet, but it was like, we were gearing up to release this big, huge song. And it was Gerald's first, you know, major label album. So it was like, you know, there's money and lots of people behind this. And suddenly I'm like having a lung collapse just from, I was just sitting on the couch and I like arched my back to try and crack it. And it just ripped open. Oh. <laughs> like what I would and I was like is this heartburn it's like is this what heartburn feels like and I like called my friend and she was like that doesn't sound like heartburn and I was like hmm <laughs> um, wow. well if you're retelling you're the same way uh, you are doing to us I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy I mean I I it was so painful. I just like couldn't sit up all the way and I had to like take myself to the hospital. And then it just kept happening. It was like, you know, they put a chest tube in and fixed it supposedly. And then a month later I was like twisting like this and it ripped open again. And I was like, oh. no. And then another month later, again, it happened. And then finally they like went in over here and stapled the whole shut, but it was horrible. And then for the six months after the final third time it happened I wasn't allowed to lift anything over three pounds which is very light wow. yeah <laughs> and, and I couldn't sing I wasn't allowed to sing 
So that was a crazy time for me. I mean, I'd never not sang like for as long as I can remember. I've just, I, it was hard for me to remember not to sing. Cause I just be singing, you know, <laughs> like in my life. Um, and that I actually ended up writing a bunch of the lyrics for my first EP during that time when I couldn't sing. So I had to just like sit on the couch with, you know, chest tubes and weird shit. And I would just free write on my iPad. And that was one of the only times that I would have lyrics without melodies that just, I could go back to and be like, oh, I can use this for, you know, this open verse or this chorus or pre-chorus over here. But so it ended up being kind of a, a, blessing and a curse period of time, but it was, it was hard to come back from. I would, I would have panic attacks on stage after performing. Cause I just, I forgot how to sing after that six months, my muscle was like, so mm-hmm. worn down. I had to like, luckily my, I have the best voice teacher ever, Amber Morris. She's been my teacher since I was 13 and she brought me back to life, but it was a horrible period of time. And I just like wanted to be performing. Let's get lost as well as I could. And I was like this little baby lunged girl. (laughs) Does the singing feel same before the collapsed lung and now? Uh, It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was definitely a period of time where I had like a little baby voice after it, but it feels, it feels totally normal now. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned uh, how it was hard to perform uh, live on concerts as well. Uh, I mean, you're veteran by now, uh, but do you have, do you still have some kind of anxiety maybe when you're going to step up and perform live and how was it uh, you know when you were starting and you know you started to get maybe bigger crowds as well and uh, how was that whole process I imagine it was filled possibly with some anxiety and things like that yeah definitely I think um I don't I don't get nervous now I mean I feel like everyone gets some amount of adrenaline before they go on stage but the adrenaline is kind of helpful like you you know you can't be tired and when you're on tour you're always oh, yeah. tired <laughs> um so you want to get your energy up but I definitely I yeah I had a period of time of like very severe like stage fright during after my lung collapsed but I've I've grown up performing I mean in high school I was in a bunch of bands I like performed for the for the warriors in high school um but I definitely in in college I studied classically so I was doing like opera and that's a very different performance thing oh, yeah. because I would just be, it was mostly just me performing at my, you know, final exams. So it would be like me, no microphone on a stage by myself with a pianist and the like vocal professor department in the theater, like halfway up the seats. So it was just this empty theater and like six people just judging me. And that is very different than like getting on stage with G-Eazy where you have to jump around and move around. You have a microphone, yeah. people screaming. Like I could, he- when you, when you're performing classically, you can hear a pin drop. And so I can hear myself perfectly, which is good. That's great. We love that. But it's also not as fun as like having that energy and feedback of just being on stage and having people who know your music and are like invested in it. It's so fun, but it's definitely a whole other you know, world of having, not being able to hear yourself. And it's just, it was, I think that transition from college and opera to lung collapsing and then suddenly being on stage with people screaming. And I was like, there's too much different here. <laughs> like That was, that was very hard for me, but, um, eventually, eventually got the hang of it. And I just, yeah, now I love it. I love, 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 love performing. 
Mm. And I love being in front of people who, again, know my music and feel a connection to it. Um, and yeah, like, I feel like to a certain extent, <clears throat> we all get a little nervous in a good way, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's just, it's so fun. I love it. I wish I could do it every day. <laughs> I love the way you're speaking about it. I'll be <laughs> honest, if if somebody would be across uh, uh, in front of us in this room, I'd feel anxiety. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. We are protected through screen, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's well, also funny, I've always felt like smaller groups of people are way scarier to perform in front of mm -hmm. like when you're performing even like in your living room for your family like I get a little like oh mm -hmm. this is scary just because <laughs> yeah. it's so intimate and like when you're on a stage with a bunch of people and like lights you can't even really see the people because you're blinded by the spotlights <laughs> and then, yeah. that, that feels a little easier <laughs> than just the living room full of people sometimes oh my god I, I imagine my mom standing there listening to us now <laughs> and I'm already feeling anxiety <laughs> <laughs> As the performer, uh, and you described it now, your bond with the fans, it's vital for the concert. And how much did you miss it during the pandemic, during the lockdown, and how it felt to, to return to the live performance once again? Yeah, the pandemic was torture. I mean, I had, I had just gotten off one West Coast tour, and I was about to start another tour as a um, opener for uh, another artist. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and that had to get canceled, you know, like everything else in the world. And I was so sad. I was, you know, at first it was kind of like this exciting, like, Oh, there's a universal pause button. And I can take like a month or two to write a bunch of songs by myself in my apartment. Like, that'll be good. I can do that. We and, all then, thought. and then, you know, it just kept going yeah. <laughs> and it's still happening. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did get to go back on tour a little bit this past fall and it felt so good. I, I really was worried after like that two year break. I was like, I did have a moment like before the first show, I was like, do I even like doing this anymore? Do I know how to do it? Am I, am I good at this still? Like, do people still care? I don't know. And then I remember halfway through the first show it was in Phoenix. All of a sudden I was just like, oh yeah, these are my friends. Like these people are rooting for me. They're not here to like judge me. And I just like settled into that feeling again that I had, you know, known so well before the pandemic. Um, and it felt so good to be back in those rooms on stages with people. It was so, so rewarding. So, yeah, I want the pandemic to fully end. <laughs> yeah, we heard about this. Uh, I heard yeah. that uh, I uh, was listening to Jeezy. Actually, he was saying, I believe, that he wrote 400 songs during pandemic. What was your work ethic like? Yeah, so he's definitely like a workhorse. Like he just writes and writes and writes and writes and writes. I am not as good at just like writing and finishing things as he is. I feel like he's really good. Like finishing things is probably what it is. I cannot finish that many things to save my life. Like I, I just, I get work. I just... <laughs> I don't even know what happens. I like, I, I start an idea and I really like it. And then the next day I come back to it and I'm like, I hate this. I'm so bad at this. I'm a terrible imposter. And he just like, I swear to God, he doesn't have that little voice telling him that he's bad at things. I mean, I know he does somewhere, but he's really good at ignoring it. I'm not that good at ignoring it yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I definitely wrote a lot of music. I have like probably 15 to 20 songs that I actually finished and actually like listening to still (laughs) Um, that I'm like trying to finish up and put out. It's been too long since I've released music. Um, But yeah, not 400 songs. I probably started 400 or 500 things, but only only finished 20 of them, probably 30. And then 10 of them I hated. So (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. I have to ask that. How different is Jay-Z in private life and for the public? He's quite different. I mean, classic, classic Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he loves to mention it. He does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> I actually asked him the other day, I was like, Gerald, do you know what your rising sign is? Because, you know, in LA, we all know our whole astrological chart. And he was like, no. I was like, how are you going to be talking about your whole Gemini thing and not know the rest of your chart? And you've <laughs> wow. lived in LA for six years, seven years. Like, how is this not a thing? Um, I looked it up, but now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I think he was like an, like an Aries rising, which makes so much sense. Um, but anyway, he, he is a very wonderful human being. Um, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And he knows that um, he and I have I, we've just spent all the, over a decade together, you know, through lots of weird situations. <laughs> um, so we've become very close um, over over the years. And yeah, he's a he's a great person. Yeah, we're rooting for it. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> uh, I was I was listening to a podcast uh, from Lex Friedman. He was doing with uh, Danny Reynolds, who is a. Uh, lead singer of Imagine Dragons. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was speaking about how in order for him to uh, perform well, for song to be good, he has to believe in the material. He has to yeah. believe in what he's written, in what he's singing. And I believe genuinely with other arts as well, that to be true in, in acting and, uh, you know, genuinely arts. Is that the same feeling with you? Do you have to like, sort of believe, let's say, uh, in the stuff you're writing and uh, performing later. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's funny that I didn't write songs before, because once I started writing, it was very clear to me that I couldn't sing other people's songs. (laughs) Like I had to at least be a part of the writing process. I can't just like be given a song and sing it like it's mine. I don't know. It just feels disingenuous to me um yeah it's definitely it's you just need to be able to connect to the music otherwise you feel like a fraud and I think all artists feel like frauds to a certain extent anyway so we need we need all the all the real genuine feelings that we can we can get um yeah it's definitely that's definitely a thing uh listen I wanted to ask you about your uh, music inspirations, you know, what what were obviously, you know, like people, singers that you were inspired by and maybe to this day you are still looking at them as a motive for writing, for singing, you know, what are those people uh, in the past and maybe currently that are working that you find inspiration in? Yeah, I am. Thanks to my parents, <laughs> I was obsessed with the Beatles as a kid. Um, also, Alanis Morissette was like my hero because 
jagged little pill so it's called yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, it came out when i was probably like four three four five i don't know somewhere in there um and i was obsessed with that whole album i thought she was amazing and i still do i think she's so cool her writing is so so good like she uses such interesting words like i'm like how did she even think to put that in a song (laughs) um and then uh you know as like a little middle schooler i became obsessed with christina aguilera like literally knew every song every lyric every run i was just obsessed with her um and she's i just thought she was so incredible which she is um i would say less less obsessed with her music now these days um i mean i still have like you know nostalgia for some, like the stripped album oh my god is so good don't um, feel bad about it yeah i was she's just so so talented um and also, this is a funny one that I didn't realize I was super influenced by until a couple of years ago, but Evanescence, their first like yeah. album, I loved and I didn't, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, I sing just like Amy Lee all the time. And I just didn't realize that I was like emulating her so much. Um, and I, my roommate actually plays um piano so she plays my immortal on piano and i sing it and that's our party trick we do that whenever new people new new people come over <laughs> and you know whether or not they want to hear it they get to hear it <laughs> um, but yeah and and now like in a writing session the other day i was writing and then recording and that my co-writer was like you sound just like the evanescence girl again i was like oh my god <laughs> just i can't help it i love her so much um and then now I'm actually really inspired by Caroline Polachek. Mm. I kind of feel like she is the new version of Imogen Heap, who I was also obsessed with as a kid, you know, after Hide and Seek came out and it was in the OC. It was just like, oh my God, who is this? And why is this music so different and cool? Um, so yeah, I, lo- I, I think Caroline Polachek is amazing. And I just love her career trajectory of being in a band and then becoming a solo artist and just like killing it at all things. Um, yeah, I think that's, those are my. Have you maybe met some of your idols, your role models? Yeah. Well, I actually used to be obsessed with Drake, um, like in high school before he ever was, before he was signed, like when so far gone was out. a lot of more now. Yeah, like, but I didn't actually think he was hot. I was just like, no, he kind of looks like a sloth turtle, but I love his <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> but I I literally loved his music. Like I loved that he sang and rapped and I thought the beats were so good. Um, so, and actually when I first met Gerald, he was like, who are your favorite rappers? And I said, I said, Drake and Lil Wayne. And he laughed at me. He was like, oh, Drake. Drake is like so soft. And I was like, oh, he's amazing. He's going to be huge. And he was like, whatever. Um, and he is the biggest right. artist in the world. <laughs> Literally in the world. I was right. Um, yeah. Gerald would probably kill me for saying that on this. <laughs> um, Don't no. send him a link then. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, please uh, send it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got to meet Drake uh, when... Cause Gerald's one of Gerald's managers who we went to sort of school with in New Orleans was tour managing for him and Wayne. 
mm-hmm. when we were in college. So I got to meet Drake and I was just like, oh, like fangirled so hard. It was, I was, yeah, I remember just being like, I was silent. I couldn't speak. <laughs> um, I feel like there's other people too that I've met. I met um, Christina and the Queens at a party recently, um, which was, I like made a total fool of myself because we were, everyone was on Molly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but yeah, yeah. We, I was just like, I don't know what to say, but I love you. And she was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's, I think she's so cool too. So talented. She was like singing to along with the songs that we're playing. And she was singing like these like octave up harmonies and shit on like female songs, like really high notes. And like, I could, I could sing them, but I can't sing them when I'm like on a bunch of drugs. Like, how is she doing that? <laughs> it was so impressive. I was like, Oh my God, my idol. But um, yeah, I think, I think those are the people that I've met. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, uh, one thing we, often wonder is i believe fans not just two of us but fans uh, genuinely uh we hear about these tours and how they're complicated and we hear now and then someone spills a crazy story from it what are tours like actually from your experience? are they like school trips but just find them what are the tours are actually kind of, like they are kind of like school trips um it's funny because i've been on such different types of tours like i've done my headlining tours which are like me and three other people in a minivan with like all the instruments and merch packed into this tiny car and you have to like do a lot of sleeping in the car and you it's insane and you stay in hotels but they're like not good hotels but at least you have like a shower and a normal bathroom and then i've also done the flip side which is like gerald's giant tour bus tours where he has two buses worth of people and wow you just you get to sleep in a bunk which the bunks on tour buses are actually so nice to sleep in because it's just kind of like you're being rocked like a baby it's nice unless you actually unless you have anxiety about the driver crashing while you're sleeping (laughs) that takes a little getting used to (laughs) but once you're over that little anxious thing it's really nice to it's comfortable for some reason and they have like little blackout curtains and you're just like in this little cubby um but on those tours you have to like arrive at the venue and shower in the venue shower and those can be not what a girl wants to be anywhere near and it's just and you have it's just it's it's a very strange very strange life and it's a lot of parking lots and a lot of waking up every day and doing the exact same thing you did yesterday but like a little bit different and there's like a little pick up in one place and then something else goes really well. And then the next day you try and like fix that hiccup and something else goes wrong. And it's just like, so it's such a weird thing to do, but it's also so fun. Like you become so close with the people that you're on tour with because you see like the best and worst of them and like, you know, sassy and tired to like drunk and partying and celebrating. It's just like the whole spectrum of emotions so it, yeah, it's kind of like a moving summer camp. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really fun. It definitely like there's, it's hard. It's exhausting. The worst is when you get sick on tour. It's, oh my God, unbearable because you just can't stop. I mean, unless you get COVID now you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't, I didn't experience that luckily. Um, but yeah, you just kind of have to like power through and sleep as much as you can before you go on stage and hope that like your voice works by the time you stand up there. It's hard. It's hard, but so it's so fun. So you performed while sick. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and did the audience feel it? Like no, it, I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> it was it was a long time ago. I, I luckily haven't been sick on my past two tours. Um, but yeah, I I was touring like in the winter, and it was just like yeah. sinus infection. I was freezing, and I it was uh, it was like you know get all the drugs in you right before you get on stage, and just hope that the Mucinex will take you through it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, and uh, I forget to ask. But you announced your album uh, for uh, to uh, to uh, to get out this spring. Is that right? But it didn't. It didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm classic classic overthinker, classic procrastinator. So I'm like, I'm not even procrastinating. I'm just being really nitpicky about getting the songs perfectly the way that I want them especially since it's been so long since I've released music. I'm like, now at this point, I'm like, I'm not going to just like put some stuff out that I'm not happy with because <laughs> it's been so long anyway, which is maybe not the way to think about it. I feel like most people today would be like, no, it's just, it's just content. You just put it out, but I can't help it. I'm such a perfectionist. It is, I'm my own worst enemy, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, so I'm trying to get it out, um, trying to have a couple singles out from it uh like early fall and then hopefully the full album it, by the end of fall early winter fingers crossed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because i'm just sitting on so much music it sometimes feels like i just haven't done anything for the past you know entire pandemic because i haven't released much and i get like really really down on myself and then i pull up you know my playlist of songs that are almost done. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, okay. I did, I did do some things, but it's really, it's a mental struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this was really enjoyable interview. And for the end, we have a little tradition here in Montenegro on our language. We give the quote and we translate it to English for our fans, for your fans, for everybody. And Luca has one uh, verse from one of our uh points yeah yeah uh well in our language which you probably will be terrified of uh, when you hear <laughs> it <laughs> uh, uh, it says uh pjesnike da sabor kraljeva kardinala barona nad barona paklom nagradi kogod se uzvijestve ljeshava kmoći penje something that would sound good uh, translated would say the poet is that the council of kings cardinals barons Archbarons, hell will reward whoever climbs the ladder of corpses to power. Wow, I love that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bunch of that. Yeah. <laughs> what is that from? Uh, that's uh, our poet, uh, Mr. Radovan Zogovic, he's called. Uh, he was actually this uh, this uh, text is he was writing. Uh, about Dante and uh, hell, you know? And he was writing about how uh, the singer, the one who writes songs or, you know, poet is one who should stand in the way of those who grab power 
uh, with greed and, you know. He was communist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he was basically saying like, uh, you know, that uh, uh, the poets should be the best in the society, that they shouldn't bow down to anyone and uh, especially not those that are greedy with power. Yeah. Well, I love uh, that. <laughs> And, and here's a, uh, here is a bonus fan fact. He's Zogovic, uh, he's Vucic, I'm Djakovic. All, not all, but 95% of our last names ends on each. So that's something more <laughs> from our culture. Wow. Yeah. I have no idea. And yeah. you guys are in Montenegro? Yes. Yeah. Mediterranean, yeah. Europe. Ex Yugoslavia. Yeah. You can come visit sometimes. It's very yeah, beautiful. I would love to come visit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we will be waiting then. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'm trying to get to London in the fall. Maybe I'll I'll come, you know, east. <laughs> Just call. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I will. Do you have some message for the end for our fans, for your fans, for everybody listening to this episode? Um, yeah, if I can think of one. I should, I should have <laughs> um, I guess my message is that I I don't know. I just, I, I, I want to be, I feel like, or, hold on, let me gather myself. <laughs> I think that the goal of every human on earth, like I think that life is about friendships and relationships and love. And I just want to remind everyone to spend time with people that they love and enjoy that and try to get through this crazy time on earth that we're living in um and just i don't know take a second to enjoy the people around you and all the fun things that they bring into your life because that's my favorite part about my life is my friends and my family <laughs> okay that's nice that's great <laughs> well that one thank you for the opportunity and we expect you'll mention us to GZ as well <laughs> to all your friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, you guys. We stay genuine, uncensored and unscripted, and we always will, as we have to order our usual. Share us and subscribe us, and stay tuned until the next Wednesday. Iguzo!